Would you open your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2? We've gone through a tremendous amount of material already, but I just want to finish up a little bit on spiritual hunger today. Everybody say, growing spiritually. And really, I left out a lot of my pages today because it's already beginning to step on the material for next week where I'm going to begin to get into the role of spiritual leaders in our life and who these people are and what they are to do in our lives and what our attitude should be toward them. And Paul has a great deal to say as he dismantles the patronage mentality that we studied about earlier. He just dismantles this, this false leadership style that had crept into the church of Corinth. So let's pick up with chapter 2, verse 14. The natural person, the what kind of a person? The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual person, the what kind of person? The spiritual person judges all things, appraises, evaluates all things, but he himself is judged, appraised, evaluated by no man, by no natural man. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in the human way? Now, in our last study, we saw that there are three different types of people, if we can put the chart up, and we have at least already been two types of those pe people, and the goal is to grow from the natural man through being the carnal man, and the goal is to grow into a spiritual man. Everybody say, my goal is to grow into a spiritual man. Now, we learned that the natural man is a person who completely lives by empirical data. They live by the laws of science. If it cannot be measured and quantified scientifically, they do not accept it. They do not accept the things of the Spirit. But we went through detail last week. How, how do you measure an angel? I mean, how do you measure how tall an angel is? Come here, angel, I want to measure your, your chest. You know, we're going to measure you for a new robe. You, you can't do that. How do you weigh an angel? I mean, you know, when you put an angel on a scale, uh, is he going to be very heavy or is he going to weigh nothing? I, I don't know. H how do you measure the size of heaven? I, I don't know. How do you measure how big? I don't know. There are things of the Spirit that are not able to be quantified scientifically. That does not invalidate them, nor does it invalidate science. It just recognizes there are natural things that can be understood with empirical data, and there are spiritual things that are only understood by the Spirit. Everybody say, only understood by the Spirit. Now, the natural man, this is the unsaved man. He lives in the realm of scientific data. The second type of man is the carnal man, sarkikos. Now, the sarkikos man, this, not this carnal man, this is a person who is born again. They are on their way to heaven. We are saved by grace. But they are still living as a natural man. Everybody say, not living good. The sanctification level is very, very low in this carnal man. But this is a Christian. We all start out this way when we are first born again and we're no longer a natural man. We're born again into literally being a Sarkikos man. We are born again, as, as Paul says here, infants in Christ. Every baby Christian is a carnal man. Every baby Christian. 
We're born again. We're on our way to heaven, but we're not living very well yet. We've still got a lot of sin in our life. The, the sanctification process has not gone very far in our life. But then as we continue to grow, we grow into a spiritual man. Everybody say spiritual man. This is the pneumaticos man. And as we continue to drink the milk of the word and then we eat the meat of the word, we grow into the spiritual man. Now, the difference in these men are very, very, very strong. The sarkikos Christian, the carnal Christian, this Christian that lives as an eternal spiritual baby, is unstable in their doctrine. They're unstable in their leadership because they, they bounce around the leadership. They're incapable of receiving the spiritual food necessary to grow. The works of the flesh are growing in their life, but the works of the spirit are not growing in their life. Their lives, are, their lives and relationships are full of divisions. They're church hoppers. But the pneumaticos man is very different. This spiritual man, this Christian who has eaten the meat of the word, drunk the milk of the word, and grown into the spiritual man, this is a person who evaluates all things. One of the marks of maturity is the ability to appraise. It's like eating fish. You eat the meat and leave the bones. Everybody say, eat the meat and leave the bones. You don't just swallow everything that people say to you. You don't just believe everything that people say to you. You, you test those that claim to be apostles and are not, like in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. You you are like the Bereans. You search the scriptures to see if these things be so. So you, there is an appraisal process that takes place, but neither do you allow the natural man to evaluate you because he has rejected the things of the Spirit. You receive correction and instruction willingly. You gently restore a brother who's caught up in a Galatians 6 slip-up, and you have eyes to see that a brother or sister is carrying a, a burden too heavy for them to carry, and a spiritual man has eyes to see this and learns to come alongside a brother or sister who's got a load too heavy to carry and helps them carry it. But then we closed last week by saying spiritual growth is not difficult. It doesn't take rocket science. We just need to eat. Everybody say, I need to eat. So we said the basic truth of spiritual growth is this. It's a little song we learned in children's church. Can we sing it together? One, two, three. Let, let's sing it again. Are you ready? Choir, you got to help us. Sister Bev's going to help us. Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Say, Pastor, why didn't you sing? I was afraid to. <laughs> Sometimes my singing is worse than anything else. And I would probably hit all the wrong notes. So how do you grow? So read your Bible. Is that hard? Now, let's take this a step further. And I want to teach you one simple thread of truth today. Every part of your spiritual growth flows from the Word of God. Everybody say, flows from the Word of God. It always involves the Word.
Now, when we were born again, we were born again because the incorruptible seed of the Word was planted in our heart. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We were literally born again when we heard the truth of the gospel, and the Word of God was planted. Everybody say, planted in me. Literally in your heart, the seed of the Word of God, not like any other truth in the world, that seed was planted in your heart, and it's living. It's what? The Word of God is not like some, any other book you've ever read in your life. It's a living book. And the seed of the Word was planted in your heart. But then secondly, you made a decision to hold it there. Everybody say, keep it there. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. To the Jews who believed in Him. Who did what? Who did what? Now, now there's a lot of people who believe in Jesus that are going to hell. You, you need to read through John 8 and begin to see that. These people who believed in him wanted to kill him, but they believed in him. There's a lot of people who believe in Jesus who are going to hell. To the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, what do you have to do with the teaching? You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the Greek word there means know by an experiential way. And that truth will set you free. Now, now this is why a lot of this teaching of discipleship in the world today is just, just so wrong. Discipleship does not take a long time because we're not making disciples of people. We're making a disciple of Christ. I didn't hear you. We're not attaching them to us. We're attaching them to Jesus. And Jesus said, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, here's how it works. You believe in me, that's great. Now, when the seed of my word is planted in your heart, you have to hold on to it. You have to make a decision to hold that word, to hold that truth in your heart. And as you hold that word, as you hold that truth in your heart, you're going to experience the living truth. Everybody say, it's alive. There's an experience involved in it. And that ex as you learn that experience, it sets you free. Everybody say, freedom. Literally, the living word, when it's planted in you, and it begins to grow in you, and you begin to experience the word, it breaks the bondages of sin off of your life. Now, this is why Jesus teaches the parable of the sower and the seed. Now, I won't read you the whole parable, but I'll read you Jesus' explanation of it. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So notice, neither one of these held the word. As for, the sown, as for that was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. All three of these do not hold the word. Everybody say, don't hold the word. But now, the last one. As for the one sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. So the Word of God begins to, when we hold the Word of God in our lives, 
it grows and produces fruit. It grows and produces change in our life. Everybody say, produces change. Say it again. Now, you can't think of the Word of God like a plant in you that's growing like a cancer and absorbing you. You have to understand Jesus said, He's the Word. Everybody say, He is the Word. Who's the Word? John chapter 1, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Literally, when you hear the Word of Jesus, when you hear the truth of who Jesus is that comes in you and that truth begins to grow in you and bears fruit, it changes your life. The growth happens because of the Word. Because of the what? Now, that's salvation. Now, after salvation, our spiritual growth continues by the Word. 1 Peter 2, verse 2, like newborn babies, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up in your salvation. You never have to teach a baby how to suck milk. You lay a baby on mama's chest and the baby knows how to suck. That's why it's got those big old cheeks. Have you ever seen how big a baby's cheeks are? The biggest muscle in their body is their cheeks. A baby can suck. That is an instinctive thing. There is an instinctive desire in a physical baby for milk. This is why Paul uses this drinking of the milk as an illustration. There is an instinctive desire in a baby Christian for the Word of God. Everybody say, a desire. He said, now listen, you need to receive the milk of the Word. You need to start receiving that in you because that's how you grow. Every mother will tell you that when she first gives birth to the baby, the first few days the baby loses weight. Is that correct, ladies? First few days the baby loses weight. But as the baby drinks milk, what does the baby do? The baby begins to grow. As you drink the milk of the Word, spiritual growth begins to happen in your life. You begin to be more and more like Jesus. But then you move out of the milk stage and you move into the solid food stage. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14, solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away into nothing. So all right. We're born again by the Word. Spiritual life begins in us by the Word. We grow through the milk stage and through the solid food stage, again, receiving the Word. But we have to also understand we have a responsibility. We have to prepare ourselves to receive the Word. Everybody say, prepare my heart. Now, part of that is an attitude. And the attitude is this. You can understand the Bible. Everybody say, I can understand the Bible. Now, it didn't say you can understand strong systematic theology. It did not say you could understand religious philosophy that somebody writes. But you can understand the Bible. When Sister Bev and I were in Bible college together many, many years ago, the big controversy in the Assemblies of God was, Shall we teach theology or shall we teach the Bible? Now, we were very blessed in that we were part of the group of people where they were still teaching the Bible. Later, they started teaching theology. That Bible college, which was the largest Assemblies of God Bible college in the world at that time, is now closed and has been sold. 
I'm sorry. People will not understand theology. And these young pastors that they train to teach theology, I'm sorry. God never said he'd help us understand theology. God said that he would help us understand what God had said. Everybody, what God said. Not what man said about what God said. What God said. Everybody say, what God said. We all taught you this in detail earlier. 1 Corinthians 2, beginning with verse 9. As it is written, what eye has seen or ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person that is within him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. All of the promises of God, all of the truth of God in His Word, God has given this to us. How many people here are born again? Are you the temple of the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Now, part of the fruit of having received the Holy Spirit is that you can understand the things freely given us by God. Everybody say, I can understand the words of God. The Bible is not complicated. Theology books are complicated. Theology books are men trying to look really, really smart. But the Bible, the Bible can be understood because the Holy Spirit will explain to you God's truth. Everybody say, God's truth. Now, again, this makes me feel old to say. But some of you are old enough to remember, back in the early 80s, if somebody went a little crazy, they went Salaob. I'm not sure any young people even say Salaob anymore. They went inside Salaob, Mandaluyan. And you say, what happened to them? Oh, they were reading their Bible. In the early 80s, a common statement was, don't read your Bible. You'll go crazy if you read your Bible. And in some provinces today, people still teach that. Don't read your Bible. Only priests should read the Bible. Only pastors should read the Bible. You're too, you're, you're too ignorant to read the Bible. You'll go crazy if you read the Bible. No, you won't. You will learn and grow if you read the Bible. I didn't hear you. So I'm always challenging you. Read your Bible. Now, there are some other things, though. We need to work on our heart a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, as pneumaticos, but as people of the flesh, sarkikos. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it, and even now you are not yet ready. Now, this is like 10 years after they got saved. 10 years after they got saved, they still are not ready. Everybody say, I have to get ready. You have to what? For you are still of the flesh, verse 3. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Now, let, let's just stop there. When you've got bad attitudes in your heart, you can't eat the word. How many of you have ever been really angry? 
Come on, Ray. Don't be spiritual. Be honest. Been really angry. Put your hand up high. Did you want to go eat at Dad's buffet? Did you even have an appetite? No. How many of you have been really jealous or envious? Come on. Your friend got that new Samsung S10. What's the, what's the biggest one called? Max? What's the biggest new Samsung? S10? S10 what? S10X? Whatever. The biggest Samsung. Or the biggest iPhone, the, the XS Max? And you get really jealous and really envious. Do you feel like eating? No. Your appetite was ruined. Now, if you can understand that, Paul again is using physical illustrations that we all understand to communicate beautiful spiritual truth. When you've got a major BA in your heart, you are not going to to receive the word. Everybody say, a B-A. When you've got worldliness and jealousy, quarreling, divisions, moral fill, when you've got all this stuff in you, you're not going to be able to drink the milk of the word and eat the meat of the word. Your heart's not ready to receive it. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now that, that's incredible. Now, now guys, you, you can't watch pornography all night Saturday night on your cell phone and then come to church on Sunday and think that you're going to get anything out of a sermon. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't work like that. You can't go have sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend all night, Saturday night, then come to church on Sunday and think you're going to get anything out of a sermon. I'm sorry. Get rid of all moral filth. Get rid of it so that you can with meekness receive the implanting of the word. This is what I tell people. Don't come to church on time. Come to church early. Come to church what? I can't hear you. Especially if you drive. Say, why, Pastor? Because you get so irritated at the pedicabs and the taxis and the jeepneys. <clears throat> uh, Lena, does he get irritated? <laughs> and when you come to church, your heart is so full of mogulo. I can preach for three hours and you don't remember a single word I said. You're still thinking about that stupid jeepney on Taft Avenue that cut you off. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Eat this one, come on. Okay, come a little early. Sit there. Open your heart to God. And as David said, quiet in your heart like a weaned child. Quiet in your heart. Get all the nyeh out of your insides. Everybody say, get it, get it out. If there's stuff, if there's sin in your life from this week, just come to say, Jesus, you know... Fix me. Jesus is the only one who can fix our hearts. I didn't hear you. So you see, come early to service and just say, Jesus, fix my heart. I, I don't want those attitudes. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be envious. I don't want worldliness. I don't want all these bad, ugly thoughts in me. I, I don't want all this stuff in me. 
Jesus, please fix me. Fix my heart, Lord. And he will fix your heart. And then as you open your heart and worship, and then when the word is preached, my goodness, it's like a big funnel coming into you. And spiritual growth just begins to happen in your life because you're prepared for the word. You're what? Now, there's another thing about being prepared to receive the word. And that's using what you already know. Everybody say, use it. Use it or lose it. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Paul said, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Verse 11. About this we have much to say, but it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Paul said, my goodness, guys, you don't understand that when you, you don't consistently use what you have learned, when you, when you don't consistently integrate and assimilate truth, and, and this is what it means about how I should live and how I should change and how my life should grow. When you don't use it, you get dull of hearing. Everybody say, dull. And you not only get dull of hearing, you lose it. Hebrews 5.12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. He said, my goodness gracious. He said, after all that time I've spent teaching you, i got to teach you all over again because you didn't use it, you lost it. Jesus said it this way. Mark 4, verse 25, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. Jesus said, listen, when you hear the truth of the Word of God, and you sit down and say, all right, this is how that means I should live, and you integrate it into your life, and you assimilate it into your life, and you live the truth, everybody say, a doer of the word. As the Apostle James says, don't just hear it, but be a doer of the word. As you put it into practice, Jesus said, the same measure you use what you've learned will determine how much comes to you. In a service like this, there are people receiving completely different amounts. There are people that's like a big funnel just going into you 100%. There are other people that are getting like 1%. And the same truth is going out, but what you're, what's coming into your spirit being is controlled by your use of what you've already learned. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Everybody say, with the measure I use. Now, Hollingbo, have you ever had somebody come to you and say, please teach me? And you go, but you didn't even do what I taught you already. Teach me more, but you didn't do what I are. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But you didn't, already, you didn't even do what I taught you yet. Teach me more, but why? I can't teach you calculus if you won't practice your addition and subtraction. Knowledge is cumulative. So Jesus said, with the measure you use, it will be measured onto you, and even more. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Everybody say, if I don't use what I've learned, I'm going to lose it. Now he says there again, back in Hebrews 5, verse 14, by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. 
as you constantly are using the word, appraising all things as we taught last week, evaluating things, he said, you've learned to distinguish good from evil. You've learned the meat from the bones. He said, you, you have to keep doing this constantly in life. And folks, please, straight talk, in this crazy world that we live in, things that used to be wrong are now called right, and the things that used to be right are now called wrong. And you look at people and say, who turned the world upside down? When did wrong become right and right become wrong? When did black become white and white become black? I mean, you, you look at it and you just shake your head. It's a failure of the pulpit. It's a failure in the churches. Christians have gotten into such a sarkikos condition because they don't use the Word of God. They don't constantly practice it. They've lost this pneumaticos ability to appraise all things. They just accept whatever people come along and say, this is God, and everybody goes, yeah, but it's not God. It's of the devil. We must use what we have learned. Everybody say, use it or lose it. Now, all of this involvement of the Word is directed by God. Now, let me teach you the basic principle and then tie it to the Word. Colossians 2, verse 19. And not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Grows with a growth that is from God. Now there is a growth that is not from God. Just like there is a cancer in a person's body or a tumor in a person's body, that is not a growth from God. That is not how God created the body. In the same way, you know, I, I try to teach young pastors. You know, there, there's a way to grow, and that growth is not from God. That's, if you do that, you're going to have numbers, but that growth is not from God. The growth that we want in our spiritual life and the growth that we want in our church is a growth that comes from God. It comes where? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 and 7. I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Who gave the growth? So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the? Who gives the growth? Now, tie the big principle that God causes growth to the planting of the Word of God in our lives. Hebrews 6, beginning with verse 1. Paul said, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Now, these are the, this, these are the milk doctrines. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and, and of faith toward God, of instructions about washing, the laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Everybody say, that's milk. And this we will do if God permits. Paul said, listen, what I teach you can only be taught if God permits. God determines our spiritual food. Who determines our spiritual food? Now, Jesus said it this way in John 7, beginning with verse 16. So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not my own, but his who sent me. Jesus said, listen, when I walk this earth, I'm, I'm fully God, but I'm also fully man. 
He said, the teaching that I teach you, it's not my own. It's not as if I sat down and tried to decide what to teach you. Jesus said, this is what the Father, this, these are the Father's teachings. This, this is what the Father wants taught to you, the Holy Spirit. John 16, beginning with verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now notice, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. How many of you have been reading your Bible for at least 10 years? Would you raise your hand? At least 10 years. Put your hand up high. Come on. Put your hand up high. Now, have you noticed that there are things that when you're doing your devotions and you're reading the Bible, that the Holy Spirit teaches you today and you've read that same passage a hundred times before? How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit teaching you something that the Father wants you to know at this point in your spiritual growth and development. A young person asked me one time, Pastor Summer, why doesn't God show us all the things that need to change in our life all at once and we start working on them? I said, if God showed you all the mess your life was at one time, you would pass out and give up. Young people, you... What, what, please forgive me, I don't say this rudely, but young people, when you knock a little bit of the loose dirt out and you're not having sex anymore and you're not getting drunk anymore and you're not using shabu anymore and you're not looking at pornography anymore and you're not gambling anymore, you think, hallelujah, I'm wonderful, I'm perfect. Everybody say, loose dirt. Say it again. The longer you serve God, the more you realize the growth and the change that has to happen within our lives as he continues to perfect the good work he began in us. But the, the spiritual food we receive, the Father lays it out. Paul said, I don't just stand up and decide what to teach you. As the Father permits. Jesus said, I don't stand here and make up what I want to teach you. He said, these words are the words of the Father. The Holy Spirit would look at you and say, listen, I'm not sitting down deciding what to reveal to you as you read the Scripture. That's determined by the Father. God controls your spiritual diet. You control your appetite. Everybody say, my appetite. You prepare your heart. Everybody say, prepare my heart. Now, let me close with this thought today. The beautiful thing about growing, about spiritual growth, is number one, you are never going to overeat and get fat. Did you hear what I just said? You cannot eat too much of the Word of God. You don't need to go on a diet. And the only reason I teach this is recently somebody sent me an article on Christians need to go on a diet, a spiritual diet. You need less of the Word of God in your life. You just go, what? Where? I mean, what are we going to do? Keto the Bible? I, I mean, I, I just read this article and I, I just said... How could anybody be so absurd as to tell people they need less of the Word of God? I promise you, the more spiritual food you take in, the stronger you get, not the fatter you get. Now, the second thing about spiritual growth is you never get old. Say, so, well, Pastor, I don't want to grow up because then I'm going to get old. Young people, 
getting old really sucks. Your hair falls out. Your knee doesn't work as good as it used to. You don't want to embarrass yourself walking up on the platform and the knee goes out and you fall on your nose in front of everybody. Growing old really sucks. So don't worry about this infanthood into pneumaticos. Don't worry about this. You're not going to get old spiritually. You only get stronger spiritually. Did you hear what I just said? So, so when you, you talk about growing up in God, there are some aspects of that illustration that, that are not real, that cannot be applied. You, you can't take a truth and stretch it like a rubber band until it breaks and a truth becomes an untruth. You're not going to get fat reading your Bible every day spiritually. You're going to get strong reading your Bible every day spiritually. Everybody say, I'm going to get strong. And growing up, you're not going to get old. You're going to get strong in Jesus' name. Did you learn something today? Stand with me, please. How many of you want to grow up? Put your hand up high. Are you sure? Are you sure? At the end of the 1970s, you can go back and Google it, it was the winding down of what was called the charismatic movement. It was a great movement of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, the gifts of the Spirit. There was a lot of beautiful, beautiful truth that, that came out of the charismatic movement. Uh, you still hear about life in the Spirit seminars in the Philippines today. That was very much a part of that from the late 60s and the 70s. But down near the end of it, things changed. And they wanted to take the Word out. And they wanted testimonies. They wanted what? They did not want to be taught the Bible. They just wanted people to share their experiences. And we're going to share what God is doing. And it was all about testimonies. Tia Osborne in 1980, I went to meet him for the first time, and he began to mentor me and talk to me. And he had just come from this conference that he had been asked to be the main speaker. The service started like at 6 or 7 o'clock in the evening, 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night. They told him, it's time for you to preach now. You have about 15 or 20 minutes. And all they'd been doing is giving testimonies all night. He said, no, thank you. I'm not going to speak. He said, if you will not honor the word, I will not honor you. And he walked out. And he came home to Tulsa. I'd just flown in, and he picked me up at the airport, and he began to tell me this story. The charismatic movement died because they took the word of God out. People became babies. And they removed pastors because pastors are not necessary. And the church was run by businessmen. Amazing how cycles go around. The next thing that happened on the spiritual scene of the world was a thing called the faith word movement. Now, there's been some problems with them later on, I know, but in the early days, in the early days as that movement was born, it was one of the most beautiful things you ever saw as a young baby Christian like I was because everybody loved the word. You would go to one of these services and they would preach for two or three hours every service. 
I've never done that to you. Almost. Never done that to you. And you, you could go to some of their conferences and one guy would preach for four hours. And they would have what they call preachathons. Literally, they'd have preachathons. And they would just all, I mean, it was kind of like being in Ghana last August with Pastor Dag and his people. And these pastors would come together, they'd come into that room at 7 o'clock in the morning, at no toilet break, no lunch break, and they'd still be studying speaker after speaker after speaker at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Not even a break for the toilet. I thought, Grabe, is everybody wearing diapers? I mean, yeah. Because that's what they do in Japan for long services. They wear diapers so they don't embarrass themselves. And you just went, would you look at the hunger these Africans have for the Word of God? It was, it was just like going back into the late 70s and early 80s watching the Faith Word movement. And people would listen to tapes by the hours. And people wanted to learn the Word of God. Please forgive me. When you look around the world today, and I'll never forget this lady preacher who said to Sister Bev and I, I was always taught, don't bore people with the Bible. Could I be? Maybe you bore people with the Bible, but I don't. 11-minute sermons, 55-minute dry cleaning services. And we wonder why the church world today is sarkikos. We wonder why Christians are forgive me, more at home in a club in BGC than they are in a revival service. Are we still here? Straight talk, everybody. This, this is who I am. We're taking the Word of God out of the lives of the people of God. We're telling them, read my book for your devotions. Don't read my book for devotions. Read the book for your devotions. Folks, you need the Word of God. Everybody shout, I need the Word. Now, action items to go out of here with. Number one, when you go home tonight, read your Bible before you go to sleep. Say, so, well, Pastor, what happens if I fall asleep reading my Bible? Wonderful. I fall asleep reading Psalms a lot of times. Wake up in the middle of the night and put my Bible back in the box. It's not a sin to fall asleep reading the Bible. It's wonderful. Your last thought is the Scripture. It's amazing how your dreams will be better. Are we still here? You'll wake up thinking the things of God. When you get up tomorrow morning, read your Bible. I, I, I'm not hearing you. Every weekend, God's house. Come early. Work on your heart. Amen. I didn't hear you. Amen. Listen to daily devotions during lunch. We read scripture to you. Take your, I used to keep a little pocket New Testament with me when I worked secular jobs. I'd keep it right there in my pocket. If people didn't like it, that's their problem. And every day at lunch, I'd get out my little Gideon's pocket New Testament and I'd read. Wanted a word. You need to keep pulling the Word of God into your heart in Jesus' name. And you'll... <laughs> I don't want to stand up in front of you and preach a one-verse sermon with a bunch of Facebook slogans. I don't want to do that. I want to teach you the Word. 
I want us to grow in God in Jesus' name. We will never be able to touch a nation, a bunch of weak, carnal Christians. We can touch a nation as pneumaticos Christians in Jesus' name. Would you join your hands? No, no, no. Lift your hands to God. Ulita Natan. Father, in Jesus' name, forgive me for my lack of priorities. Your word is a light into my path. Your word is the most important thing for my spiritual growth. Incline my heart to your word. Turn the desire of my heart to your word. That I long for it. That I hunger for it. That I thirst for it. And Father, fix my heart. All the mogulo. Fix my heart that I can meekly and humbly receive in the implanting of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to know you. I want to for 40 years I taught the same thing in 1980 I looked at an old sermon same thing in 1980 the truth of God's word does not change I didn't hear you read the Bible now some of you go you know Pastor deep English don't read King James. I don't get King James, okay? My grandpa understood King James. I didn't grow up in church. Pastor Claude understands King James. Pastor Dag and the Africans, they really love King James because they're a British colony. They get all the these and the thous and the thuses and the withers and weathers and whatevers. Man, I read King James, I go, grabby, then I go, oh. You know, get a Bible, get a, the easiest Bible to read for devotions. 
New Living Translation. Everybody say, New Living. Easiest Bible to read for your devotions. Great translation. It's not word for word, but it's thought for thought. For exposition, we're using English Standard Version. It's more accurate, word for word. But for devotions, I love New Living Bible. It's comfortable. It's an easy read. You're not struggling with whither thou goest dost. I don't even know how to spell whither. Whether, whither, whatever. Get a nice New Living Bible. They're not expensive. Read your Bible and enjoy growing in Jesus' name. Amen? Campus pastors, would you come, please?